Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I'm your host, as always, Eric Spropolis, and you can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. This is the 94 Feet Report. This is actually episode two of our uh, now running series, Free Talk Fridays. Um, so what we do on this kind of show, it's really quick, you know, 30 minutes um, every Friday. Um, and the difference between that and our one-hour episode on Monday nights or Tuesday mornings on All In Sports Talk Radio Network is that this one is really casual. It's why it's called Free Talk Friday. Um, I don't prepare any advanced stats. I don't look up numbers during the show. It's kind of just like casually talking like you would with your friends or your coworkers. Um, and so when we have guests on, most of the time it'll be Alex Propolis. Um, we'll just talk really casually and, you know, have a normal chat. You know, don't prepare advanced stats and advanced metrics. Um, before we get started, as I mentioned, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. You can follow, uh, find all of my work there. I write for the Dream Shake on SB Nation. I'm an analyst for NBA Lead, and of course, you can find our podcast links there as well. I just want to mention before we get started that our sponsors for today and for all of our episodes on the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast, uh, we have Fan Essentials. Use promo code 94FEET at checkout for 30% off your first subscription and Daily Fantasy Nerd. Um, You can check out the link on our episode descriptions or my Twitter for some great daily fantasy tools. Um, So in today's episode two of Free Talk Friday, we will be talking about the Warriors and potentially, you know, their dominance ruining the season. Um, we'll talk about any threats to the Cavs or the Warriors in, in either conference, and we'll continue our game of above or below expectations or actual talent level. Um, if you missed episode one of Free Talk Friday, you can uh, look it up on our Blog Talk Radio page or on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, Alex Propolis and I, we played a little game of above or below in which we go through an, a number of teams and say if, we're, if they're playing above or below their actual talent level. Um, so we'll do that again. I just want to get started with a quick news segment. Um, If you missed it this morning, it's December 9th right now. Um, If you missed it this morning, the Rockets um, pulled their offer that they matched from the Brooklyn Nets and renegotiated a brand new separate uh, deal for Donatus Montiunis. It's four years, $35 million, and it basically is a one-year guarantee deal because in July of the next three seasons— so July of the, after July 2017, July 2018, July 2019, the Rockets have a team option on Moniunis for all three of those Julys, and with this new deal being signed, Moniunis now can be traded by this year's trade deadline and can be traded anytime through over the next year without his consent. So if you remember when the Rockets matched the Brooklyn Nets offer, uh, Moniunis was not going to be able to be traded for a year without his consent. Um, so that's that's out of the window, and you add in those three team options, and you get a really really team friendly deal. Um, you know, the Rockets front office um, and most a bunch of their fans did want Monty Unis back because one, you never know with Ryan Anderson and Nene's injury history when they can go down. So Monty Unis provides a very very capable um, depth piece at the front court. Um, two. Uh, in my opinion, Monty Yunus has the perfect skill set for a Mike D'Antoni big man. Um, he doesn't spread the floor, you know, like people say he is, like people say he does. Um, but in 2014-2015, that year when he really broke out and Dwight Howard missed half the games, he did shoot, um, I believe, 37% from three. So if he can replicate that or even 35% from three, he becomes a threat from the outside. You know the Rockets and, Mon- and uh, Mike D'Antoni are going to allow him to shoot threes whenever he wants. So I think and Monty Yunus can pass really well for big men. So Monty Yunus has a great skill set for Mike D'Antoni team, and he provides depth for a front court that does have some big pieces with a lot of injury risk. So I'm 
all in on this Monty Yunus deal for the Rockets, especially when you add in those three team options in the next couple of Julys. So just want to get that out of the way. Um, you can find, I wrote a quick recap and article on the Monty Yunus deal this morning for the Dream Shake. You can find that on my Twitter page. Um, and so you can get in my more in-depth analysis there as well. But I just wanted to mention that before we dive into our, you know, kind of three prepared uh, topics of episode two of Free Talk Friday here on the 94 Feet Report. The first topic I wanted to talk about is one that's been, you know, being discussed on all the talk shows, you know, First Take and Undisputed on, on Fox Sports 1. Um, and the, that is, you know, are, are the Warriors ruining the season right now? Um, obviously, even before the season, people were getting kind of people's excitement and, and expectations were dampered um, of their favorite teams and of the league in general because of the Warriors, you know, potential dominance. And now we're seeing that dominance. Now they do have, what do they have, four losses or three losses? They have three losses, I believe. Um, actually, I can, I have the standings in front of me. I don't know. Yeah, they're 20 and three right now. Um, and so, you know, are the Warriors ruining the season is the question. You know, Stephen A. Smith has been very vocal about this, saying that Kevin Durant going to the Warriors really did ruin the season because now you know it's in, it's inevitable the Warriors are making it out of the West and the Cavs are making it out of the East. While his uh, co-debate partner, Max Kellerman, argued that, you know, no, there are still reasons to tune in. And I agree with Max. Um, obviously, there is some kind of feeling of inevitability, right? I mean, what are the odds that it's not Cavs Warriors in the finals this season? They're pretty pretty low. But there are two things about that um, that I want to talk about. Number one, I actually am very, very intrigued by a third straight Cavs-Warriors uh, finals matchup. Um, first, it's best out of three for the two. So the Warriors won the first series, the Cavs won the second. This is essentially kind of like the deciding series if they meet this year, um, you know, best of three kind of thing, which has never been done before. No, Never have three teams met in the in the finals in, the, in a row. So that's kind of big history. Number two, you add Kevin Durant into this mix and into this rivalry, really, because although they are in different conferences and only play in the regular season, I think twice a year, because of their last two finals matchups and probably this this uh, upcoming finals matchup, this has become a rivalry. And you throw in Kevin Durant into that rivalry, we'll see how that shapes up. Um, so there are reasons why I'm excited for that finals matchup to begin with. But then when you take that finals matchup out of the equation, there are still a lot of reasons to be excited um, and interested in the NBA season. Now, of course, I am talking from the perspective of a huge NBA fan and analyst. Um, you know, I write for a, a blog that covers the Houston Rockets. I'm an analyst for NBA League, which covers the league in general in a, a dynamic kind of media platform. Um, and I host this podcast just because of my own interest and passion for doing so. Um, so I obviously have a unique perspective. I am not a casual fan. Um, I'm not someone who watches the big games on Christmas, um, maybe a couple of games on ESPN or TNT throughout the year, and then watches like the playoffs and the finals. I am a, I am a league pass kind of hardcore NBA fan, so obviously my perspective is a little bit different, and my reasons for excitement and interest in the league, and specifically this regular season, is going to be different than that of casual fans. But in my my perspective, I think there are a lot of reasons for fans of, of, of every team to be excited and interested, and even for some casual fans who like big names and big stars and big performances, there are still a lot of reasons to be excited um, about this regular season. Um, the only problem, let's let's just go through the Warriors ruining the season. Some arguments made is that, you know, I think Stephen A. Smith was the one who said this, that it's hard to look forward to these quote-unquote big regular season games, like the ones that was heavily promoted, Clippers, Warriors on ESPN on Wednesday night. Um, it's very hard to look forward 
to those big regular season games between two teams that we believe are contenders in their conference when it turns out that a lot of the times it's going to be a complete dud and blowout for the Warriors. Now, the ESPN doubleheader on Wednesday was, was Cavs-Knicks and Warriors-Clippers. Uh, it was heavily promoted. Now, no one expected, no one expects the Knicks to be a contender, but the fact that the Cavs blew them out so easily at home made that game a complete dud. And then everyone was looking forward to Clips Warriors. You know, Clips had been struggling. The Warriors have been pretty much cruising, coming off Clay Thompson's 60-point game, which was just re- remarkable, um, especially when he considered the fact that he only dribbled 11 times in that game. Um, but Everyone was looking forward to this game, seeing if the Clippers could, you know, a lot of people are picking the Clippers as the only real threat to the Warriors in the West. And then all of a sudden the clip, the Warriors just completely de- just demolished the Clippers, demoralized their fans, demoralized the players. They shut down Blake Griffin. It was just a complete domination. And so now looking forward, it's kind of going to be hard to get excited for games like those, those big Western Conference matchups. Uh, when you know that the Warriors are most likely going to cruise and dominate now, uh, the 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 reverse side of that is that you kind of get really into and really excited into unexpected great games like Rockets Warriors um, last Thursday, December 1st. Um, that was a game that, you know, people thought was going to be fun to begin with because two high-powered offenses. But it turned out to be a really good competitive game in which the Rockets actually won in Golden State. So, you know, when you can't look forward to those games, but then you get these surprise games like Rockets Warriors, there are still reasons to look forward to certain games, including the involving the Warriors. Um but also, there are still big ESPN games to tune into, so, such as tonight. Um, of course, December 9th, the first game of the ESPN doubleheader is Rockets-Thunder. Exciting matchup, Harden versus Westbrook, two teams that are you know, fighting for that fourth seed in, in the West, maybe even the third seed in the West, actually, because um, both teams, are, I think, are a game out of the third seed because of the Clippers' recent struggles. Um, so there are still big ESPN-TNT games to look forward to, of course. Um, but let's get to another point on this topic, is that I still don't think that the Warriors are ruining the re- ruining the regular season overall, and the biggest reason I say that is because the, the quote-unquote middle-tier or middle-class teams are more fun to watch than ever. I mean, it seems like every team has at least one player or one reason to, that makes them must-see. Whether it's Giannis Antetokounmpo on the Bucks, who has who is cementing himself as an NBA superstar and will surely make an all-star team this year, maybe even start on that all-star team, and surely will, hopefully will make an all-NBA team this year. Whether it's Giannis Antetokounmpo on a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, where you would not watch them without Giannis, most likely, unless you're a fan of the team, of course. But Giannis makes the Bucks a league-pass team for, for other NBA fans, you know? I've tuned into a couple of Milwaukee Bucks games just to watch Giannis go off, um, whether it's Porzingis on the Knicks. Now, the Knicks are a different scenario because they have Carmelo Anthony and they're a big big market and stuff like that so you're probably going to be watching them or be forced to watch them no matter what but Porzingis provides a reason in the future for you know fans to tune into the Knicks um Devin Booker on the Suns now he's not having as good a season this year as he was exploding at the end of last season but he still provides a a reason to uh watch the Phoenix Suns which with otherwise you would not most likely watch the Phoenix Suns um, Aaron Gordon on the Magic. The Magic are not a fun team to watch because they're all defense and no offense. But Aaron Gordon's, you know, tantalizing dunks and athleticism make them must watch. Um, the Timberwolves have a really young core of Anthony Towns, um, Wiggins, uh, Zach Levine. Um, you, you know, you want to watch Thibodeau go crazy on the bench. Um, there's a reason to watch them. I mean, you can go through each team and essentially pick out a reason to watch that team. And I'm talking more specifically about the middle middle tier teams, you know. The Pelicans have Anthony Davis. The Nuggets have a young, interesting core of Jamal Murray, uh, Emmanuel Mudiay, 
Uh, the Kings obviously have DeMarcus Cousins. The Lakers have a really good, really young team, and especially a really good bench. The Blazers have, you know, Lillard and McCollum. The Jazz have George Hill, an incredible defense led by Rudy Gobert and some great hair on uh, Gordon Hayward. Uh, you know, just keep going through these teams. I'm looking at the standings. I can name every team. And the Sixers, the 76ers have Joel Embiid. I mean, that's the reason why I've tuned into a, a, a bunch of their games. The Nets, uh, <laughs> the Nets um, have Brook Lopez shooting threes, if that's what you want to say. Um, the Heat have Hassan Whiteside just eating people alive on the inside. The Wizards have the dynamic backcourt of John Wall and Bradley Beal. Of course, I already talked about the Magic. The Hawks, you know, have the growing potential of Dennis Schroeder combined with the aging front court of Paul Millsap and Dwight Howard. The Pacers, who are exactly 500, have Paul George. The Pistons are getting Reggie Jackson back, and they have Stan Van Gundy on the sidelines, which is a must-see. I mean, you go through every team, and there is a reason to watch them. And that's what makes the regular season fun. Now, does inevitability damper excitement a bit? Yes. When I, when as a Rockets fan, when I see the Rockets have big victories like they did over Golden State, and right now the Rockets are half a game out of the third seed, you know I'm excited for the team. But in the end, I'm like, you know what? Can they really beat the Warriors in a best of game series, best of seven game series? I highly doubt it, and that does damper excitement. But that does not mean that the regular season is not fun to watch at all. There's a reason why. There's at least one reason why everyone can watch uh, every team in the NBA and they're kind of quote unquote must see. So. Does The inevitability does damper excitement a bit, but the regular season is not ruined, and my interest and excitement for the regular season is certainly not ruined at all. With that being said, let's talk a little bit more about any possible threats to the Cavs and the Warriors, because this was also talked about on a bunch of those talk shows, um, talk and, and debate shows on TV. You know, the Cavs and Warriors on Wednesday night both handed blowouts to teams that are in the, obviously in the playoff standings in the in their respective conferences. Then the Cavs blew out the Knicks and did the water bottle challenge for the last like minute and a half of that game, which is extremely disrespectful, but also extremely funny. And the Warriors, of course, we talked about blew out the Clippers in L.A. So in the East... Is there really a contender for the Cavs? Now, we saw the Raptors last year push them to six games in the Eastern Conference Finals, but it seemed like every time the Cavs wanted to win a game, they did comfortably. Um, and the Raptors have been really good this season. And uh, again, the Raptors are being underrated, which is you know no surprise because almost every year they're underrated. Um, but are the Raptors the team that beat the, the, the Cavs? Can the Celtics, if they get healthy and can you know kind of you know, get together and, and play together and get comfortable with each other for the rest of the season, can they be the threat in the East? If I had to pick a team right now, obviously I, I would pick the Raptors again in the Eastern Conference Finals. But even then, the Cavs are 2-0 against the Raptors this season. Um, and I don't believe they've played the Celtics yet. Um, but I don't I don't obviously have that in front of me to know. But um, I just don't think the Raptors are that threat. And I think the Celtics are a little bit worse than the Raptors, um, at least as of right now. They might get better as the season goes on and be eventually finish better than the Raptors. But as of right now, they're worse than the Raptors. And the Cavs are 2-0 against the Raptors and beat them last year in the Conference Finals pretty comfortably. I just don't see a threat to the Cavs in the East. I think the Celtics need another guy, um, whether that's another star player um, like Boogie Cousins or just another you know solid starter, borderline all-star player. They need that guy um, to be a threat, and I don't think the Raptors are a threat, a serious enough threat to actually beat the Cavs. Uh, in the West, you know, can you still talk about the Spurs? I mean, as of right now, they're playing. The, they're the second best team in the West, and they're comfortably ahead of the Clippers for the number two seed, and they've been playing pretty well overall. They just lost their first road game of the season last night to the Bulls. But the problem with the Spurs is that by the time they would potentially face off the Warriors in the playoffs, they would probably be worn out, at least a lot of their core guys, like Gasol, maybe Aldridge would be worn out. 
Um, you know, we've seen Kawhi Leonard kind of shrink in the playoffs sometimes, so that's a concern. Um, so the Spurs, I have some, obviously I have some serious doubts about the Spurs and their lack of great, you know, dominating home play is another concern for me. And the Clippers, I mean, is it about time we start we stop considering them as a true contender versus the Warriors? Overall, I think they're a contender, but I would only think the war that I would only pick the Clips as a title contender if they knew that they would not have to face the Warriors in the playoffs. I believe they lost seven straight to the Warriors. They seem mentally like they just know they can't beat them. They complain about the refs too much. They get psyched out of games too easily. They're missing. I don't know. Their bench is not good enough. Their core, you know, the Clippers are built to beat to beat the Clippers. I mean, to beat the Warriors. You know, they have a really good front court in Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and a great floor general in Chris Paul that can kind of limit Steph Curry. And then they go out there and they lose comfortably, you know, the last seven times they played them. So I think it's about time we stop considering the Clippers as the team that's going to beat the Warriors. Now, the Clippers are still a contender overall, but when they, I think they're a contender for the Western Conference Finals, yes. But knowing that they would face the Warriors in that Conference Finals, I do not believe they're a contender for the championship. So um, for those reasons, I just don't think that there are any... They're really, as of right now, the biggest concern with kind of the inevitability feeling I was just talking about is that there aren't really any threats to the Cavs or the Warriors in their respective conferences, which is really what kind of dampers the most excitement for me. But overall, talking about that, you know, I still think that I'm very excited and very interested in the NBA regular season for the reasons I talked about before, that every team seems to have one reason for them to be kind of quote-unquote must-watch for serious NBA fans like myself. With that being said, we are about to get to our fun game of above or below talent level, um, and we'll get to that game in just one second. Before we get to our game of above or below, I just want to remind everyone that we are brought to you by Fan Essentials. Fan Essentials is a really uh, great subscription service where you choose your favorite team in your respective league um, and you choose a, a box size and each month a box of your favorite team's gear is shipped right to your door. So I've tried it for the Rockets. It's really cool. They give you unique gear that you really can't find anywhere else. Um, and so remember, use promo code 94 feet in all caps uh, for 30% off your first subscription of Fan Essentials. Now, if you missed episode one of Free Talk Friday last week, Alex Baropoulos and I played this game of above or below for various teams, in which case I name a team, and we decided, both of us kind of gave our opinion on, on if they're playing above or below their actual, you know, level of play, you know, what we expected and what their actual talent level kind of dictates what their record should be. This week, we're going to go, you know, fairly quickly um, through about, you know, 15, 12 to 15 teams. Um, and, uh, I'm going to name the team, of course, now I'm by myself today, so I'm going to name the team and, um, say if I believe they're playing above or below or, you know, playing at their level, because some teams are playing exactly at the level that their talent dictates and exactly what, at the level that I, you know, thought they would. Um, so without further ado, let us begin with my favorite team, of course, the Houston Rockets. Now the Rockets are 15 and seven, and as I mentioned, are, um, just a half a game out of the third seed in the Western Conference. Now they're nine and five on the road, six and two at home. They won four straight and they're eight and two in their last ten games. Again, they've been very impressive. They came off that really impressive Western Conference West Coast road trip. You know, beating that Warriors Nuggets back to back was very impressive um, for everyone, especially myself. Um, I think they're playing right at their level. I mean, I and a lot of Rockets fans were, you know, I guess cautiously optimistic, but also 
pretty reasonable about the Rockets' chances this year, you know. Uh, unlike a lot of the national media, which picked the Rockets as, you know, they would, you know, basically said that the Rockets would be lucky to be higher than a seventh seed. Um, a lot of Rockets fans and Rockets media were, you know, cautiously optimistic that the Rockets, you know, hey, the Rockets could be that four seed. They could be that five seed. You know, that's where that's where their talent is. You're led by a superstar in James Harden. They finally have the pieces pieces around him. Uh, Dwight Howard is gone. There there were reasons for optimism around the Rockets this season, um, and they're showing it off so far, being playing very well. Um, interesting to see they face a really tough test in Oklahoma City tonight on ESPN. So tune in for that game. But for those reasons, I think you know I was with the Rockets media. I was cautiously optimistic that the Rockets would be a, would play a lot better than the national media predicted. So right now I think the Rockets are playing at that level. Their talent level, you know, kind of dictates this record. Um, if anything, I'd say I, they're playing a little bit above because they've had such a hard schedule to begin the season. I believe according to ESPN, they had, they've had the fourth or fifth hardest schedule so far, and to be 15 and seven with that is very impressive and, and impressing me for sure. The next team we want to talk about, we've talked about a little bit so far today, are the Los Angeles Clippers. They are playing below their level. I thought the Clippers would finish. I had them as third in the West, but I had them as the team that would, you know, make the conference finals to face the Warriors. Now, that still could happen. But considering the fact that they've lost two in a row and they're only five and five in their last ten games and are um, dangerous, they're close to falling to the fifth seed in the West. Um, after tonight, the Rockets um, and a the Rockets could, you know, pass them for the third seed, um, and they already have seven losses. So you remember that really hot start? I think they were like, oh, were they like twelve and two or something in their first, um, like eleven and two or something like that in their first, uh, you know, like first couple of weeks of the season. And they are now five and five, losing two straight. That really bad loss to the Pacers at home, followed up by just a complete dud against the Warriors. The Clippers have more talent than this. Their bench is a little bit improved, though it's falling back to earth now. Um, but just have too much talent to be struggling this much um in the season so far so they're playing below their actual level the the chicago bulls are the next team and i'm having them i say they're playing exactly at their level so they're 12 and 10 they're seventh in the um they're tied for sixth actually in the east with the new york knicks and uh you know they got off to that hot start and people were like you know oh unlike the national media i predicted the bulls that, that would be this good well they're falling back to earth um they are four and six in their last ten games. They've had some Rondo issues. They've had some bad losses to the Mavericks. Um, they did just have a really good win against the Spurs last night. But I thought the Bulls would be a borderline, you know, hovering around 500 team this season, and that's exactly what they are. So I think they're playing exactly at their talent level and for what I expected. The Grizzlies. This is an interesting one. Now the Grizzlies are 16 and 8. They're tied for the four seed with the Rockets. They've won five straight without Mike Conley. So whenever when Mike Conley went down, people were like, "Oh, there go the the Grizzly playoff chances." And yet, what do they do? They go, they just turn around and win five straight games without him. <laughs> uh, Marcus is just playing out of his mind this season. Um, I believe he had like 36 points last night. Um, in that really big win against the, the Trailblazers, the thing, the reason why I'm going to say the Grizzlies are playing above their talent levels for two reasons. Number one, they have had the easiest schedule in the league so far, according to ESPN's strength of schedule. And number two, if you actually look at their point differential, they actually give up more points per game than they score. They have a negative point differential, um, which leads you to believe that you know some of those they they are just so good at closing out tough games. That's what the Grizzlies do. They always seem the last five games they've always seemed to be coming down to the last minute, and somehow the Grizzlies always pull it out. So that's the reason why they have such a good record. But 
overall, I think that they're playing a little bit above their actual level, especially without Mike Conley. For those reasons, I'm going to say the Thunder are also playing above their level for very similar reasons. Number one, um, well, the biggest reason is because they've had a pretty easy schedule. I think they're in bottom five um, in strength of schedule uh, so far. Um, the, the Thunder are 14 and eight. They've played a lot of home games. They're nine and four on at home compared to only five and four on the road. Um, and they've won six straight. And, you know, obviously, you know, Westbrook's been doing his triple-double machine uh, recently. But for the, the schedule reasons and their home-heavy schedule, I'm going to say the Thunder are playing a little bit above their expectations. I think the Thunder will probably finish at, at the sixth or fifth seed, most likely the sixth seed, because I think the Jazz will get healthy and pass them. Um, but I think the Thunder are playing, you know, a little bit above their actual level. The Milwaukee Bucks, I think they're playing exactly at their level. Now, the Bucks are 11-9, and 6-4 and four in their last 10 games. Again, as I talked about before, Yanni said that Akupo has really established himself as a star in this league. Um, and I, I thought the Bucks would be kind of that around 500 team is basically what they're doing right now. So for those reasons, I'm going to say they're playing pretty much at their level. They've had a pretty easy schedule so far, a, a lot more home games than road games. So maybe they'll even out, um, you know, their strength schedule will even out and they'll become a little bit below 500. But for right now, I think they're playing exactly at their level. The Hawks are definitely playing below their level. 11 and 12, 2 and 8 in their last 10 games. After that hot start, a lot of people, I remember Tamberlin Richardson, we had on our hour long episodes that are, that are on All in Sports Talk Radio Network Tuesday mornings. Um, we had Tamberlin on a couple weeks ago when the Hawks were off to that hot start, and she said that they're overrated and they're going to come back to earth. And she was exactly right. The Hawks have come back to earth. They were, they've already had some players only meetings, they've had some, some weird chemistry issues going on there. So the Hawks. I had the Hawks as a comfortable playoff team. Right now, they're only a half game out, but 11 and 12 so far, 2 and 8 in their last 10 games, they're definitely playing below their level. A similar team playing well below their level, the Washington Wizards, 8 and 13. They are 5 and 5 in the last 10, which is better than what they started. Um, they're 2 and 7 on the road. It's just, just abysmal. Um, they have talent there. John Wall, Bradley Beal, Marcin Gortat, Otto Porter is developing himself and has turned himself into a serious, most improved player of the year candidate. But they just can't seem to win games. There's certainly some kind of chemistry issues going on. Scott Brooks has not been able to solve any of those issues. And at 8-13, and 13, the Wizards are definitely playing below their talent level. The Orlando Magic, I think they're playing basically at their talent level. They're 10-13, and 4-6 and six in the last 10 games. Um, they're 6-6 six and six on the road, which is pretty good. But the thing is that they've had an easy schedule so far. I'm not sure. I think they're, they're also in the bottom five in strength of schedule, according to ESPN. So you, you have to think if that inc- improves, their strength, if their schedule gets harder, the, the record will go down. I didn't think the Magic were that good of a team to begin with. I thought they were going to be like a 38-win team, which is basically what they're doing right now. So that's why I'm saying they're playing at their level. A team... Next team, we're going to talk about the Miami Heat. They've lost three straight. They're now 7-15, and 2-8 and eight at home, 3-7 uh, and seven in their last 10 games. They're playing below their talent level. Um, the Heat, um, unlike some of the other teams we've talked about so far, have had a really hard schedule. I think they're top five in strength of schedule so far. They've had some serious injuries. Uh, Dragic has missed some games. Winslow's been out for a while. Uh, Josh Richardson's been missing a lot of games. Um, they don't, they've thrown out some lineups with, like, Ray Magruder and, you know, Derek, Derek Williams, stuff like that, think lineups that are not of playoff teams. So if you think that they get healthy and their schedule gets a little bit easier, you think that the Heat could get to back onto that kind of 37-38 win you know, path, which is what I predicted for them this season. The Lakers, um, after that really great start, have fallen off. They lost four in a row, three and seven in the last ten. They're now ten and fourteen and two games out of the A seed. They're four and nine on the road. Um, 
I think the Lakers are playing pretty much at their level. Now, obviously, they've lost their past four games in our three and seven of their past ten, mainly due to injuries, especially to Nick Young and uh, D'Angelo Russell. So when they get back, they could probably play better. But their defense is just abysmal. Um, and their schedule, I don't believe their schedule has been fairly difficult to begin with. Um, so I think the Lakers are basically this kind of team for the rest of the season. When they get healthy, they'll probably you know, be like a 30-35 win team, which is better than people expected to begin with. But as of right now, they're playing at their level. And two more final teams, the Sacramento Kings, they're playing at their level. I mean, this is the same thing every year with the Kings, right? They bring in new players, new coaches, et cetera, and they still underachieve. They're 8-13, and 4-6 and six in their last 10 games. Now, they're only two and a half games out of the, the eighth seed, but you have to think that the Blazers will improve while the Kings will probably stay around this level. Um, they've played more road games than home games, so that'll even out. Um, but this is the same thing with the Kings, you know. Same underachieving, disappointing chemistry issues that we've always expected from the Sacramento Kings. And the final team are the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're playing below their talent level. They're, and I'm talking when I'm talking about playing below their talent level, I'm talking about their record. They're 6-16, six 2-8 and, 16, and in their last 10. Their defense is a lot worse than people expected. And the thing with the Wolves is that their inexperience and youth is killing them. They are in so many of these games, and they come down to the third quarter, or they come down to the fourth quarter, and their inexperience and youth bites them in the ass, and they just choke, and they cannot close games out, which is why I picked them as a 40-win team when some people were picking them as a 50-win team and a comfortable playoff team. I knew it was going to take more than one year for the Wolves to, to know how to win games, no matter who their coach is, um, and Thibodeau struggling to turn around that defense as well. For those reasons, the Wolves are playing below their actual talent level for sure. And with that being said, that will be the end of episode two of Free Talk Friday here on the 94 Feet Report. Again, I'm your host, as always, Eric Sproples. Follow me on Twitter. Um, look out for, our, obviously, our hour-long episode Monday night, which will also play Tuesday mornings on All In Sports Talk Radio Network at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then Tuesday afternoon as well on All In Sports Talk Radio Network. But we'll be recording that Monday night as well. And, of course, episode three of Free Talk Friday will be... Um, uh, obviously, uh, next Friday, December 16th, um, when we'll talk um, you know, a lot more casually, hopefully with Alex Propolis again, who will join us for the foreseeable future for a couple of our episodes. So that's, this is episode two of Free Talk Friday here on the 94 Feet Report. I'm your host, as always, Eric Spropolis. Enjoy a great weekend of NBA basketball, folks. Take care.